It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. The Trump-appointed heads of 17 U.S. intelligence agencies presented the intelligence agency's findings in their annual worldwide threat assessment this week. In case you missed it, I would like to summarize the results of those intelligence studies. Trump is an ass. Trump is an ass. Trump is an ass. Trump is an ass. Ad infinitum. To which the President of the United States, the leader of the free world, the Commander-in-Chief, responded to the findings of our intelligence agencies by noting they should go back to school and they were naive. After all, his ass knows a lot better than what our intelligence agencies might find. This, of course, must be so appealing to Trump's base of cultists that the cult leader can pull more out of his ass than would be suggested by study, reason, science, facts, education coming out of our intelligence agencies. Then, of course, the Republican-dominated and Trump-supplicant U.S. Senate decided to weigh in, voting on two bills, which, again, I may summarize as Trump is an ass, Trump is an ass. For those of you who would prefer not to be asses, thanks for listening to Forward Nation Radio and me, David Leventhal. Anyway, speaking of asses, the big news of the week, of course, was Howard Schultz, lifelong Democrat, CEO of, longtime CEO of Starbucks, and multi-billionaire Howard Schultz has announced that he is considering a presidential run. This to the great joy of Donald Trump and his supporters, no doubt, and Republicans all across America. The great joy of them because, well... For the obvious reason, Howard Schultz is thinking of running as an independent. That, of course, might split the sane vote in two and allow the insane candidate to grab the election. But, of course, more than that, Howard Schultz has been attacking Democrats and their positions. He's referred to them as left-wing, as crazy, as insane policies. What this really, of course, is an indication of is what has happened to this country over the last almost half a century. The fact that we basically have not had a Democratic Party, at least a progressive party, representing the interests of Americans during all of that time. No, in fact, as we have learned that in order to appeal to rich billionaires like Howard Schultz, the only way to do that is to make sure that we move the center continually to the right and do nothing to attack their wealth. Longtime Democrats like Howard Schultz prove the dangers of trying to reach out as Democratic Party to appeal to wealthy Democrats or wealthy moderates. People who have a problem with the Republicans' promotion of racism, anti-intellectualism, bigotry in all forms, voter suppression, and the parade of horribles, which they obviously are all willing to put aside when it comes to protecting their stash. Yes, as appealing as Democratic policies are, they take a back seat to money. And this is what's been guiding the Democratic Party for almost half a century. You cannot succeed as a political party has been the case for a long time if you seek to take on the rich, even for the benefit of this country and the people who live in it.
That's why we have been living through ages of ridiculously low taxes on the wealthy and lack of investment in this country to promote our future. What is now being derided as the left-wing extremism in the Democratic Party is in fact an effort to return the Democratic Party to its roots, to bring this country back to the way it was for decades in the post-war period when this country was emerging as the world's sole political and economic superpower by taxing the rich and investing in our future. A time of better days before the United States was willing to watch itself wither just so rich people could have more. A time when China, the world's fastest growing economy and soon to be the world's largest economy, has been investing 9% of its economy in infrastructure, rebuilding its country. When Europe has been investing 5% of its economy in rebuilding its country, and the United States has been investing just over 2% into its future. What we've learned is that centrism, that giving money to rich people, is simply not compatible with investing in the future of your country. We are now at a point where many in the Democratic Party are starting to say enough is enough. It is time to fight for things that we actually believe in. But at what political cost? We will now see whether a progressive political party seeking to tax the rich to promote the interests of this country is viable where it has not been for several decades. Because overcoming the wealthy and its media manipulation, its monopolizing of the national discussion, where terms such as centrism can only refer to someone who believes that the wealthy should keep having everything they've already gotten and everything else becomes extreme. On today's show, we will be discussing the merits of a progressive tax system and taxing the wealthy. The political implications will leave for another time. A tax system can come in kind of three forms. One is progressive, and I've been using the term a lot, so let's explain it. A progressive tax system is one, effectively, that directs its efforts at the wealthy. A progressive tax system taxes higher levels of income and wealth to a larger extent than it taxes lower levels of income and wealth. Where we might tax the 10 millionth dollar that you earn this year at 70%, whereas we tax the 10,000th dollar that you earn this year at 10%. That is, of course, opposed to a flat tax system where people can argue, why don't we all pay this, the same tax rates no matter how much income we have? Obviously, those who are wealthier will end up paying more to the tax system. Why should they be paying more at a greater rate? The third possibility is a regressive tax system, where you, in fact, tax lower levels of income at a higher rate than higher levels of income. So the 10,000th dollar you earn would be taxed at a much higher rate than the 10 millionth dollar that you earn. What is the justification for a regressive tax system? Realistically, there's none and we're not going to waste our time on it. Nobody publicly speaks in favor of a regressive tax system, though in fact, moving our tax system to be regressive is the goal of Republican politics and has been for a very long time. In other words, to shift the tax burden from the wealthy to the poor. Well, as opposed to a flat tax system, why would we want a progressive tax system? What is the rationale for a progressive tax? This, of course, being a big issue since Democrats, progressive Democrats, finally have come out and decided to argue in favor of that, like Representative Ocasio-Cortez, 
like Senator Elizabeth Warren, who has argued in favor of taxing wealth. So let's do the rationales for taxing the wealthy more, for soaking the rich, for income redistribution, if you would like. The first argument in favor of a progressive tax system is, well, that's where the money is. If you want to be able to support a country, then you're going to have to go where the money is. That is especially true at this point in this country with decades of rising income and wealth inequality. The fact is the bottom simply does not have the wealth necessary to support this country's future. At a time when the wealth of the top 0.1% of this country, one one thousandth of this country, is almost equal to the wealth of the bottom 90% of this country, over 300 million people. One has to say that as a necessity, if you want to invest more in your country and in your country's future and in your country's citizens, you're simply going to have to go where the money is. This, sadly, is an increasingly important rationale. It is a practical rationale. It is not, of course, a very satisfying moral rationale saying that we need to tax the wealthy at great rates because, well, we just need their money, may be practically important, but is not really morally satisfying for most people. So let's try to find some more morally satisfying reasons why people should be taxed at a higher rate. And let's start with the fact that it is not healthy for the rich to have this much money. It is not healthy in a whole bunch of ways. Paul Krugman quoted Theodore Roosevelt from 1906, This week, it is important, Roosevelt was reported to have said, to grapple with the problems connected with the amassing of enormous fortunes, some of them swollen beyond all healthy limits. And bear in mind, this is coming from Teddy Roosevelt, a man who knew something about enormous wealth and wealth swollen beyond all healthy limits. With too much wealth concentrating in the hands of too few comes too much political power comes the idea that a man with no political experience and no rationale for running for president can run for president simply because he has three-point-something billion dollars. Political power that buys politicians, that corrupts our elections, and that leads to the result that we've had in this country for the last several decades that we can't possibly survive politically if we propose a system where the wealthy have to pay a little bit more. With that comes too much media power to distort information that people have to make decisions. Media that tells them over and over what the wealthy want them to believe and not what's in their best interests or not supported by the facts. With too much wealth comes too much economic destruction or inefficiency. Too much wealth means too much Unequal and inefficient allocation of scarce resources. Our economic system doesn't support as we're told in Economics 101, the efficient allocation of scarce resources. When the wealthy have this much, what we have is an economic system that justifies why the wealthy should have everything. It changes everybody's views of what's in the best interest of this country and ourselves. The fact that when Ocasio-Cortez promotes a tax plan that will raise taxes on people on income above $10 million dollars, And people can say, well, then what is your incentive to be successful? The fact that I can talk in front of my classes and on this show about the fact that we should not have billionaires in the world and people could say, well, what is your incentive to be successful? Right, because getting only $500 million, who would bother? 
This has warped our perspective about everything. This is the reason why people making a very healthy living of hundreds of thousands of dollars a year go around feeling poor because they can look at the incredible excesses of the ultra wealthy and feel like they, in fact, are poor. We could probably look to Howard Schultz for a lesson in that. The man only has about three and a half billion dollars, as is now being pointed out. You compare him to another person considering an independent presidential run, Michael Bloomberg, who has 20-something, it's estimated, billion dollars. It's only estimated, of course, because when you have that kind of money, you also have the ability to hide it all around the world. More on that later. It is not healthy for a society, for people who make a large amount of money and accumulate great amounts of wealth, to constantly feel poor by looking at people with sickening amounts of wealth around us. Or to sum up in the words of iconic and legendary Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis, you can have democracy or you can have great wealth concentrated in the hands of a few. You cannot have both. For the preservation of democracy, the rich simply cannot have as much as they have and as they continue to accumulate. Another reason why we should have a progressive tax system is the concept of what we tax. Taxing necessities versus taxing what I refer to as luxury money. Most of us would say that when we are taxing people in order to be able to run a more civilized and healthy society, you really don't want to tax people where that those taxes would come out of the mouths of their children would come off the backs of their children when it comes to clothes. In other words, when taxes prevent people from buying the necessities in life, we should be very, very reluctant to be taxing these people. And I have a lot of sympathy for people whose taxes are preventing them from feeding, clothing, or sheltering their children. On the other hand, when you tax income that would otherwise be used for luxury items, for non-necessities, We may not be thrilled about the idea of doing that, but clearly it raises fewer problems than the idea of taking money from people who absolutely need this money to live. In the paper this week was a discussion of billionaire financier, a guy who's made a lot of money by one could presume doing nothing of value for society at large, Kenneth Griffin, who spent $238 million dollars on a New York City penthouse yet to be built and which he will barely live in. When you have $238 million to spend on a vacation home, one of many, many, many vacation homes that you own, I'm not going to be shedding crocodile tears over your paying a little bit more. In fact, I'm not going to be shedding crocodile tears over your paying a hell of a lot more in a country where we continue to read about the lack of affordable housing for humans, people who work for a living. In fact, Kenneth Griffin, apparently through his penthouse, will be changing the laws to effectively kick out dozens of middle-class people from affordable housing that otherwise would have gone there. This is not something that we necessarily should want to promote. But anyway, by the idea that we have more justification for promoting luxury income than necessity income, by definition, The higher your income, 
the more of that goes to luxuries rather than necessities. And therefore, as a society, we should be more comfortable with higher tax rates on income of greater and greater amounts. Another reason to support a progressive tax system is to better align income with social utility. One of the great arguments advanced by the wealthy and the wealthy-controlled media that convinces people to go against their own interests and represent the interests of the rich is the idea that these people have earned their money as if there is some magic in the market in dispensing income where it properly belongs, where, for some reason, it benefits society. I asked students early in a couple of my classes, just for their opinion, do you think that wealth aligns with your contributions to society at large? And if you think that people are rewarded financially based upon their contributions to society, I can only ask what planet you've been living on for the last bunch of years. We live in a society where teachers might need public assistance or food stamps or free lunches to support their children, to feed their children. Whereas worthless shit on Wall Street may make a teacher's salary in a week or less. In fact, in this country, how much you make is not at all aligned with social utility, but is in fact aligned for the most part with how beneficial you are in making the wealthier wealthier. If your goal in life is really to be rich, here's the first thing to think about. Don't help poor people, ever. Poor people can't afford to pay you what you want to earn. Just help rich people. If you are a pharmaceutical company, for instance, do not consider investing, researching products that might help society at large. Only consider investing in products that will benefit wealthy people. Cosmetics for wealthy white people. Not Ebola, malaria, or anything that might primarily afflict poor people. I asked on this show several weeks back, what was the worst mistake Ebola ever made? Well, it eventually, it hit some rich people. And now there will be more effort to address Ebola. Look at the entire pharmaceutical industry, which fortunately is getting looked at a little bit more in this country. The Sacklers, billionaires, and their company, Purdue Pharmaceuticals, and their role in promoting OxyContin and creating an epidemic of opioid-addicted Americans that is now resulting in the deaths of 50,000 Americans per year. A wealth accumulation by the billionaire Sacklers and the likes of Martin Shkreli at the expense of what will be ultimately billions of dollars in public spending on treatment facilities to clean up the mess that they have created and have profited from so greatly. Compare that to the likes of, let's say, Jonas Salk, the founder of the polio vaccine, who chose not to patent the polio vaccine in part because he felt that this was something that the American public deserved and owned. Not him, and he shouldn't be profiting off of greatly. The people involved in the medical industry who spend a month, for instance, traveling abroad to help people who are poor and cannot afford health care, and who are doing so at the expense of accumulating more and more dollars. The idea that people in the medical industry who are getting incredibly rich 
are doing so because they are somehow better for society, in fact runs exactly counter to what the evidence indicates. Look throughout our society. You've got journalists, great journalists, doing wonderful work to inform the American public. Well, here's the thing about those journalists. People like longtime journalist Bill Moyers, who undoubtedly have not accumulated great sums of wealth. Compare them to so-called journalists like Sean Hannity, Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, the people who are currently running this country, who are in fact not informing the American public, but are getting unbelievably wealthy beyond anybody's imagination by lying to the American public on behalf of rich people. Another reason, after better aligning wealth with social utility for a progressive tax system, is the fact that the rich have far more opportunity to make money than the rest of us have. We play, in case you, in case you have not noticed, on an unlevel playing field where people with money have incredible opportunities to make money that the rest of us do not have. Witness events like reality TV, well, Celebrity Apprentice, or Shark Tank, where people get to accumulate great wealth for themselves by basically honing in on other people's great ideas and inventions just because they have a whole lot of money. Or look in the news this week at Barry Myers, the CEO, a name you probably haven't heard, by the way, he is the CEO of AccuWeather, a very wealthy individual and, of course, a nominee to head the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and who proposes that we take what NOAA has done, NOAA's research, and give it to AccuWeather for free so that private entities can make a shitload of money off of it. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. We're already doing that. In fact, Barry Myers got rich through AccuWeather by taking public data, reconfiguring it a little bit, and selling it for lots and lots and lots of money. What he's really after is a lack of competition. Because one of the other things that happens, of course, is that you accumulate great sums of money, not because the market is working properly, but because it's not working properly, and you've managed to figure out a way to become a monopoly. Recently, Portland instituted a tax on companies that pay their CEO more than 100 times what their median worker is paid. Here's an opportunity to go in an opposite direction. People running these companies, who are in effect looting these companies, and looting their owners of these companies and the employees of these companies who are not making money, the people who are actually doing the work to make the money and generate all this wealth that is going into the pocket of the wealthiest CEOs and owners. Portland has decided that these people shouldn't be making such an outlandish amount. Because in fact, over the last bunch of years, the average CEO is making dramatically more than the average CEO made for decades following World War II when this country had a middle class. When the average CEO is making something like 35 times what the median salary for his or her worker was. And now that number is in many cases over 400 times what the average worker of course, Howard Schultz himself so amply demonstrates Eugene Debs' famous description of riches as the savings of many in the hands of one. 
when you look at his $3.5 billion that he should be pro- so proud of, understand that this is money that came not only from other owners of Starbucks coffee, but star- that otherwise could have gone to Starbucks workers or to mom and pop coffee shop owners that he put out of business. The Portland tax on outsized CEOs raised several million dollars in just its first year. The wealthy in this country are invited to investment opportunities that the rest of us can only dream of. The rich also get more money from government and have opportunities to avoid spending money that the rest of us do not, that normal human beings do not. Does that sound strange? We are told all the time by the corporate and wealth-owned media about how much poor people get from this country, but the fact is that the wealthy get a hell of a lot more. That's right, the wealthy get more from government than poor people get. Let's start with this. If you're sick and need an ambulance, you want to be on the Upper West Side or you want to be in some poor neighborhood? Where do you think the ambulance is going to come quicker? Where do you think the hospitals are more numerous and provide better service? Remember the feel-good Tom Hanks movie, Captain Phillips, where a private merchant vessel was taken over by Somali pirates? Don't you just hate it when that happens to your vessels? And the U.S. Navy came along to rescue it? How much of your property worldwide has recently been defended by the United States military? Who do you think gets to write off their homes, off their taxes, their meals, their entertainment? Wealthy people don't pay for their own sports tickets. They deduct it as a business expense, and people like me and you pay for it. They write off their meals. They write off their homes, where they get to have a, a set up a home office and therefore write off much of the cost of their homes and have the American taxpayer pay for their stuff. Years ago, when I was practicing law before I was teaching, in other words, when I was a more valuable human being because I was making a lot more money, the paralegal on a big case I was working on came to tell me that she wouldn't be able to work late that night because she had tickets to see Phantom of the Opera. And I facetiously said, they're giving you tickets to go see Phantom of the Opera. Why are they giving them to you? I'm the junior attorney on the case. I'm the one who determines which copy company gets our business. So the next morning, she walks into my office and plops down on my desk, fourth row tickets to see Phantom of the Opera. Compliments of the copy company. Also, while I was practicing law, and I was doing so in Los Angeles, I got to see one of the most famous hockey games of all time, Game 6 of the Stanley Cup semifinals between the Los Angeles Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs, game in which Wayne Gretzky, who was still the great Wayne Gretzky at that point, scored the winning goal in overtime to force a Game 7. And I got to go for free, because one of my good friends at the firm had tickets that the firm paid for, well, when I say the firm paid for, the firm paid for him from his perspective and then wrote it off on their taxes so that the average Californian was in fact paying for me to go see hockey games. These are things that normal people don't really get to do, but the wealthy get other people to pay for their stuff. And here's a thought, maybe they should be forced to pay for that. The rich in fact have ways to avoid taxes that other people, normal people, do not have. For instance, I'm guessing that most of you don't have a Swiss bank account or a Panamanian bank account or a Grand Cayman bank account or any money hidden offshore. I'm, I'm expecting that most of the listeners of the show have not set up trust funds to avoid taxes in leaving money to their children and their grandchildren. Economist Gabriel Zuckman recently estimated 
that there are $7.6 trillion in household wealth in global tax havens, approximately 8% of the world's wealth. We need to go get that money. But before we do, we need to understand that that money exists and not shed crocodile tears over going after the people who are hiding this $7.6 trillion in household wealth around the world. Normal people do not have the chance to shelter and hide their income that wealthy people have. ProPublica, in a recent report, pointed out that 18 to 20% of potential tax revenues go uncollected annually. We also need to have a progressive tax system to, the re to reduce the impact of luck in our lives. None of us probably want to believe how important luck is in our lives. Certainly the wealthy don't. Certainly Mitt Romney didn't when he ran for president and told us that it was all because of his hard work and effort and not because he was born a wealthy scion. The same thing that Donald Trump recently told us. And in both cases, we know, as we should have known from the very beginning, how untrue that in fact is. The fact is that much of the reason that you get wealthy in this country is because you are lucky. You are lucky to be born at the right time. You are lucky to not get sick at the wrong time. You are lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Good for you for getting lucky. Good for you for putting yourself in a position where you could take advantage of that luck. But also understand, as many wealthy people have famously been pointing out, that if you have been that lucky, perhaps you owe an obligation to those who have been unlucky. And maybe a wealthy billionaire who was in the right place at the right time to create his, his app should help people who got sick at a young age, who were born in the wrong place at the wrong time, and for instance, weren't given an education. And finally, we will leave off with the last reason why we should be supporting a far, far, far more progressive tax system than what we have now. And as far as I'm concerned, far more progressive than what even the progressives have been stating to the consternation of wealthy people who find these arguments absurd to go to to wealth rates to to wealth uh, to go to tax rates that we have seen in this country for much of the post-war period. Wonderful for Elizabeth Warren for proposing a wealth tax, but it should be higher. Wonderful for Ocasio Cortez to propose greatly raising taxes on the ultra wealthy, but it should be even higher. But anyway, here's the last reason why we should be taxing people at much greater rates. This is the deal that a civilized society makes with its citizens. Here's the deal that I might, I tell my students, I would be willing to offer you. Here's the deal. I will ask you when you get fabulously wealthy to give more back. What will I offer in return? I will offer in return a much greater likelihood that you will get fabulously wealthy. I will give you a public education system, an infrastructure system, an internet, a police force, a navy, a military that will protect your livelihood and your efforts to make money. I will give you all of these things. And if you are able to use them to amass great fortunes for yourself, what I'm asking you is give more back at that point so others may be afforded the opportunity to follow in your footsteps. Would you take that deal? 
Of course you'll take that deal. You will happily take that deal. Until, guess when? Until you get fabulously rich. In which case you will say, all bets are off. I've got mine. Why should I fulfill my end of the bargain? Why not be Mitt Romney or Donald Trump or Howard Schultz and say, I've done it all on my own. Screw you. I owe nothing. We shouldn't be letting people get away with that. We should be making a deal with all of our citizens that we will make it much easier for you to amass great fortunes. But when you do, we will expect, in fact, require you to give more of it back. Sound unreasonable? This is way off the beaten path. This is what is no longer seen as centrist in America. The idea that we should promote the interests of society and I guess we should enforce contracts. Anyway, that's today's show. Thank you for listening. We will have more on this subject and lots of others in the future. Please continue to stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Please do share us with your friends, relatives, everybody you can. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 